Adventures. I'm Melissa Bonzak, author of the June Nash Adventure Series, and when I'm not writing, I'm reading. I started this show to rave about new discoveries, chat with indie and small publishing house authors, and occasionally share from my works in progress. This is Books Cubed, interviews, raves, and reads. Good adventures, everybody. Welcome to episode six of Books Cubed. Today I have an interview with Carrie Pack, and I think you're really going to like it. She was a lot of fun to talk with. Um, let me just read you a quick her quick bio here. Uh, Carrie Pack is an author of books in multiple genres, including Designs on You from 2014, In the Present Tense from 2016, and Girls on the Side, G-R-R-R-L-S, from 2017. She's a recipient of two Forward Reviews Indies Books of the Year Bronze Awards in 2016 for In the Present Tense in Science Fiction and in 2017 for Girls on the Side Young Adult. Girls on the Side was also a finalist in the Buy Book Awards. Her novels focus on characters finding themselves in their own time, something she experienced for herself when she came out as bisexual in her 30s. She also hosts the Bi Sci Fi podcast and is the creator of the Bi Sci Fi Twitter chat. She's passionate about science fiction, feminism, and red lipstick. Carrie lives in Florida, or as she likes to call it, America's Wang. And um, you're gonna you're gonna like this interview with Carrie. Let me show you. Uh, let's see. This is one of her books in the present tense, and here's another one that I have, which is past imperfect and uh, she writes about my favorite my favorite genres here she's got um, time travel science fiction unrequited love and fish out of water so all this stuff is in her books in these two books and um, really great a lot of fun and let's just get right to the interview okay welcome Carrie hi no, oh, and my friend, cat. <laughs> and friend, who's that? This is Dave. He oh. can't not be it's the center of attention. Oh, he's cute. He's cute. I was worried my dog <laughs> was going to kind of try, try to come in here and join us, but she stayed in the other room with her chew toy. Uh, so <laughs> I met Carrie in Jacksonville. I think so. We're not actually, actually, I think we met at a Florida Writers Association workshop and then oh. reconnected. In, in that, in that yeah. We did. It was a really good workshop. Lots of good authors there. Uh, the 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 uh, uh, book signings have been great for me to meet uh, other authors and and add to my growing pile of books beside my desk. I think I've got beside my bed. I think I have three dozen books. And depending on my mood, it's like with my writing. Depending on my mood, it depends on what I'm reading that day. So today, though, we're talking about your book. It's in the present tense. And you cover three of my absolute favorite things, time travel, unrequited love, and fish out of water. So tell everybody a little bit about your book. Sure. Um, I, in the present tense, came out, I think, two years ago now. I just released the sequel to it. Um, and it's really about a young man who um, has a dissociative disorder. And instead of doing something like disconnecting from reality or experiencing, um, a personality change an alternate personality, he actually time travels within his own timeline. And, um, 
<clears throat> Miles has a lot of difficulty with that because when his younger self shows up in his 25-year-old body, he is um, wanting to reconnect with a high school boyfriend. And his wife in the present is not really keen on that for reasons we can all assume. Uh, and so there's a struggle there for him trying to reconnect, obviously, with a high school sweetheart. Um, and also at the same time, his, his adult self is trying to find a cure for what is causing him to time travel to make it stop. And so there's a battle here for, okay, who gets control of the body, right? But also for, you know, who gets control of, of the heart and what happens and, and how, well, how does that affect you when, you know, you're, when you love someone with mental illness? Because uh, his wife, Anna, has a point of view in the book, as does his ex-boyfriend, Adam. They all have their own things to go through. And, and one of the things that I, that I did with them was I, I looked at how each one of them would approach their life, you know, being and loving someone with mental illness. Yeah, and you know, I really liked that each, it goes back and forth. She has a little, the little chapter will tell you the year, the time, and I believe the person. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the person, so you know who's, who is, whose point of view we're looking at. And I really liked that I could see Miles' story from Anna's point of view and from Adam's point of view and from Miles in the different, different points in his life and the confusion and the frustration and the fear and the anger and all the things that enveloped all these characters as the story is going along. And then as I'm getting through the book and I'm realizing that, ooh, there's like a conspiracy kind of thing getting set up and then I'm, I'm getting chills. I love that kind <laughs> of thing. I'm like, oh my God, that's my fourth other favorite thing. <laughs> so, so um, I've been very excited because then it'll lead to the sequel. That's right. And um, yeah, and the sequel, when did the sequel come out? It came out in August, August 9th, I believe. Um, and that one, it basically picks up exactly where in the present tense left off. I mean, within moments at the end of that book, it, it starts up again. Um, but in this one, I incorporated, sorry, my cat's back there. Uh, I incorporated the point of view of a, of a secondary character from in the present tense, uh, Bethany, who Miles meets when uh, he's in treatment for his condition. And she has her own struggles due to her own mental illness. And she also can time travel. Um, and so I wanted, I love, I, I always fall in love with my secondary characters. I have no idea why. Um, but I wanted her to have her own point of view. And so I was able to revisit some moments from the first book from her point of view because of the time travel. Um, and, and also give her some time to really deal with the things because she has been, uh, wrapped up in the conspiracy and known about it since she was 12. Miles had, had been on the fringes of it. You find some things out about his life and how involved in the conspiracy he was, but we know from the moment that Bethany, that he meets Bethany, that she's been living in a psychiatric facility for, you know, uh, seven years at that point. And so her life has been completely different. And so I think it's a good contrast to Miles, who has been able to live relatively a normal whatever that means, normal life, um, without the burden of being institutionalized. And so his fight to be not part of that versus hers is, I think, an important contrast because it's a different, different mentality of her having to, um, in, in the fight to save herself, uh, throw away everything she's ever known. Oh, I like that. I like that. And if, will there be a third book in the series? 
I will never rule out revisiting these characters, but I, I, the story as it stands of, of Miles's condition and Bethany's condition, that has been wrapped up. I have toyed with in my brain a little bit of doing some prequel like uh, shorts about Bethany and about Miles and Adam, because we don't know a lot about them before we meet them in the book. So. Oh, you know, that might be good. And I'm getting chills again. Uh, like I said, time travel is just my favorite thing. And um, oh, I just love it. I love it. So um, that, that sounds really good. People definitely check out her work. It's published. Who's your publisher? Uh, I publish with a small independent boutique press called uh, Interlude Press. They only publish um, LGBTQ titles um, that, you know, deal with positive stories for uh, queer characters. So there's no, you don't have to worry about the barrier gaze trope ever showing up. Um, but they're, they're, you know, we have a lot of award-winning authors and, and uh, bestsellers and things there. So um, it's a good, it's a good group. They, they publish some really great stuff and, and uh, I've been with them since my first, since my debut. So Oh, nice. And people can also find you on Amazon and other yeah, retailers? I'm, I'm on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I mean, basically, one great thing about my publisher is they're really good with making sure that the books are accessible. Um, so they're, they're basically anywhere that you can buy ebooks. I'm there. Anywhere you can buy physical print books online, you can get them there. And you can also get them directly from the publisher. Nice. And I... I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Which is which? What's cool about that is when you. What's nice is when you pre-order the print version of our books from them, you get a free. You get the free ebook with it. Because I know a lot of people prefer to read ebook, but then like to have a physical copy on their shelf. So that's always really that's always really handy if you pre-order. But oh, nice, nice. And I will make sure that there are links in the show notes for okay. everybody to find Carrie everywhere. So um, one of the things that I've that I've uh, that I'm doing uh, with my show is, you know. Th- all this authors get asked the same questions all the time. So um, I started this last week by I found this wonderful site. And um, if you are a interviewer or you need some interesting questions, I'll put the link in the show note to these. They are <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to steal them for my podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're great. They're great. Please do. And I, I need to send a note to the person that wrote the list so I can tell them that I'm using them. They invited people to use them. And so they have a list of 50 unusual not very often asked questions. So I had Carrie pick out five questions and this will help us get to know her a little bit better. And, um, uh, okay. So we did this one already and I got to stop sticking stickies to the wall because you can hear it. And eventually this will be a podcast and it's going to annoy the heck out of my listeners. So I'm going to turn this off really slowly. Okay. So what other authors are you friends with and how do you help? How do they help you become a better writer? Um, I have a few, I have a couple really close author friends and, um, one of them I knew before we were authors and another I met because, uh, we were both aspiring and, and it kind of on the upswing and getting our stuff published. Um, first is an author by the name of Killian B. Brewer. And he actually, uh, has been my dearest friend, uh, for probably, gosh, going on about 10 years now. We've known each other a really long time. And maybe not quite that long, but it's been a while. Um, and he and I connected as fans of a television show. We got, we got connected on Tumblr. But when we, when our publisher started, um, they contacted the both of us about about writing for them. And um, his his first book is, an, is a young adult title. If anyone's looking for something to um, 
to give a young queer kid in their life, you know, from middle school age on up, probably, probably a little bit on the younger side of it because it's a fairy tale retelling, but he wrote a, what happens when Prince Charming falls for Prince Charming? Uh, fairy tale and it is adorable it's funny it's so and it's so charming uh it's called the rules of ever after and um it actually we he actually did a partnership with the um uh the trevor trevor project yes the trevor project um where they did like a kind of like a match for him and bought books for libraries to get more queer books in libraries and there was a little forward in there about you know how to contact them if they you know kids were struggling which i think is great because libraries are a great resource for you know, queer kids who maybe don't have support at home. Um, and so he and I obviously have stayed friends. He's also written some adult stuff. He wrote um, the uh, lunch with the do nothings at the Tammy dinette. Which if you're a fan of Fanny flag, that Southern charming, cute, like just small town stuff. Uh, adorable book. Love it. Uh, great cover too. Um, one of my favorites and I'm trying to put work. I'm me and a couple other friends are trying to push him to write some more in that area. Uh, my other really good author friend, uh, FT Lukens writes young adult sci-fi and fantasy. Um, and I actually connected with her because she submitted to my publisher and they asked me to do a, um, to read their slush pile for them. And I was reading and I got hers. And before I finished it, I sent them, I said, you definitely want to talk to this author, but I'm going to finish it first because I really want to read it. Um, and it was her first, it was her first book, The Star Host, which she just wrapped up that trilogy. It just came out this month. So um, I really, really love her stuff. Her, um, her book, um, this is a long title and I apologize. The Rules and Regulations for Mediating Myths and Magic uh, is a standalone and it deals with <laughs> uh, a young kid who takes an internship with a person who is a mediator between the world of magic and myth and the real world. And he gets into all kinds of crazy shenanigans. He's, there's a stampeding unicorn on the cover of this book. It is hilarious. It's won a ton of awards. And I'm just so proud that I get to also be her friend. Well, also, I tell her all the time I'm going to claim I discovered her. So, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's, that was awesome. Really good. So um, I'll have you write them down for me because yep. my ears are crap. So we'll put links to all those in the show notes. And um, they do sound really good, especially that last one. Definitely. Um, Okay, next question. What was the best money you ever spent as a writer? As a writer, the best money I ever spent actually was, uh, we just hooked up at this convention, which was uh, Indie Book Fest. Uh, I, I love conventions in general for motivating you to keep writing, connecting with other authors, and finding new readers. But what I love about Indie Book Fest is it is such a welcoming community of, this, this year was my second year attending as an author, uh, and, um, the ladies that run it are just so welcoming and, you know, they don't judge based on what it is you write or how new or how experienced you are. They treat everyone the same. Um, there's a lot of camaraderie there. I've met so many, uh, great other authors who've been really supportive. And what I love is that the whole focus of it is, uh, self-published, in other words, completely independent authors and small press indie authors. So it's all people who don't always get the exposure that the, more traditionally published authors get. Um, they have to work a lot harder to build readership because they don't immediately get put in bookstores and on library shelves. And um, so it's a really great networking opportunity, a lot of great learning. If, if anyone's getting into self-publishing, there's a lot of great workshops involved in that. Um, and Indie Book Fest is every year in the Orlando area. So it's also oh, really convenient for me. It was fantastic. <laughs> and Tamara, who's on the show last week, 
if everything goes in the order that it should, she gave me me a ticket to that. So I was able to go to all of the, um, all of the uh, panels. And it was, it was just tons of information. I got to meet the guys from find a way voices who do my audio book. They do distribution for my audio book for my book. And it was just wonderful. And I ended up only the second day, the first day of the show was all the panels. And then the second day was uh, all the authors with their books. And um, it was like an all day thing. And I only could get up there. Something happened and, and I couldn't get up there till like 45 minutes before it was closing. Yeah. And it was in a panicked rush, racing around the room, looking for anything that looked like time travel or um, fish out of water, and I bought, you know, a huge stack of books that normally I like to look through a book and read a couple paragraphs. I didn't even have that opportunity. I had to base everything on covers. So far, I've been really lucky. Everything's been excellent. So, um, and then you, we, I, I met Erica, and Erica, I don't have her card here. Erica Gerald Mason. Yes, and I'm reading her short about the drag queen... Uh, Lala, thank you. Yes, it's great. It's great. So I keep meaning to send her an email to tell her, hey, we need to reconnect. Um, Definitely, if you if you like kind of creepy type horror stuff too, her short The Place is amazingly creepy. I bought it. It's on my Kindle. It's it's on my Kindle, but it's like I've got maybe a hundred. I know Kindle. We've all. Do do you see my to to be read? I've read a lot of these, but also there's like I think up on that oh, shelf there that's yeah. what you read so uh part of it the other parts downstairs in my bedroom um but yeah i've always got a to be read that's a mile long so yeah it's um oh there's just not enough books i mean there's not enough time there's plenty of books not enough time okay next question what are the common traps that you think are out there for new writers the common traps for new writers i think the biggest one is your own head. I think um, thinking, I think that for women and a lot of authors that I, a lot of authors are women, a lot of, especially independent authors, um, is the imposter syndrome, thinking that you're not good enough, you don't know what you're doing, um, you know, and getting that book finished. I think that's the biggest thing. At least it is for me. Uh, Other people have other issues, but I think that, you know, um, getting out of my own head and just forcing myself to sit down and crank out some words is the hardest thing. You know, you can always perfect a draft, but you can't do anything with a blank page. So yeah. I always, I always think that the biggest thing when you're trying, you know, you know, you want to write, you know, you have stories to tell, but getting down, getting it down on paper and, and having the confidence to finish it is the biggest trap, I think. And, and then once you do that, trying to not apologize for asking people to read it or, or, to buy it, you know, um, we're so, we're, things are so ingrained in us to just apologize for being successful or for wanting to be successful. And I think that allowing ourselves to, um, (laughs) ask people to support us, you know? So those two things I think are the biggest is just, and, and it comes down to one thing, which is knowing that you're worthy and knowing that you have a story to tell and that someone somewhere will want to read it and it's okay to ask them to. <laughs> oh, great. See, new, re- new writers, listen to her. She knows what she's talking about. Get your work out there. Get it onto paper. Show it to people. And yeah, don't be afraid to say to people, especially your relatives even, if you want it, buy it. So don't give away too many copies of your book. 
Okay. Unless it's a, unless it's a big name author that really wants to read it and then send them a free copy. However, whatever format they want. If someone with a name says, I'd love to read your book, say, can I send you a copy? Oh yeah. Yeah. Can I drive it over and um, <laughs> we have coffee afterwards? Can I, can I slip in a million dollars while we're at it? No, I'm kidding. Really? 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 Uh, so that kind of bring, you know, the, the idea of people reading your work brings us to the next question. Do you read your reviews? And how do you re how do you deal with what you see? I want to say no, because you're not supposed to. My advice is don't read your reviews. But I will say, honestly, most of us read them at some point. We read them, we see yeah. them, you can't help but. Um, but I would say that the better thing would be if you are going to read your reviews to remember to take everything with a grain of salt, even the good ones. Um, don't let the good ones go to your head and don't let the bad ones define you. Because um, if someone hates your work, that means that you made them feel something and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, if someone loves your work, same thing, right? If they're indifferent about it to not want to leave a review, then it just kind of was not, didn't have an impact on them. Um, and then there's just people out there that are trolls. They just want to go go and one star people's books. And my thing would be stay off of Goodreads. Don't read your reviews on Goodreads because for whatever reason, people get a burn their butt about an author and one star them for no reason. Um, but if you have to read reviews, if you are that person like me who has to know what people are saying about you all the time, if you get bad reviews that make you feel bad about your writing or yourself, my advice would be, to then go read a one-star review of your absolute favorite book of all time. The one book that made you want to be a writer or made you want to um, read and read and read and not stop or go read classics that people are beloved, that are beloved and are in school curriculums and that have been called the best books of our time. They all have one-star reviews and there are people out there who hated those books. So just because someone hates your book doesn't mean it's not good. Oh, that's, that's a great idea, you know, to help remind you that, yeah, you're right. There, and you'll see reviews. Um, one of the Facebook groups I'm on, I can't remember what it is, but everybody, whenever they hit the one-star review club, they always post, I got a one-star review finally, and they will list, they will post what the person said. And more times than not, it's, I couldn't download the book. Right. <laughs> I feel like that's the author's fault. <laughs> My, my favorite, my favorite one star review was a friend of mine. Uh, her name, her pen name is Kat Beldon. And she wrote a World War II historical gay romance between two men. And they're, they're in the, one of them's in the Air Force, I believe, or the Army, I don't remember. Uh, but they, uh, <laughs> he's a pilot. And uh, he, um, the, the, the characters names are Ben and Pete. And she got a one-star review from someone who won it in a Goodreads giveaway and then complained, if I'd have known this was a gay book, I wouldn't have read it. And I'm like, their names were Ben and Pete. What did you think it was? It wasn't like they had ambiguous names, you know? Ben and Pete, those are two guys. Like, oh, yeah, that's definitely someone who enters every Goodreads yep, regardless. giveaway. Regardless and doesn't look to see what the book is about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I stay off Goodreads. I mean, I have a presence there, but I really don't. I just don't have time. You know, I had, I took Facebook messenger off my phone because I was spending too much time. I have Facebook on the computer. You know, I go to facebook.com and I, I can hook on that way, but I, most of my social presence is on Instagram. You know, yeah. it's just easy. You post a photo and that's it. And you're done. And you look at other people's photos and you, you, you know, content. And I've maybe met a lot of friends on, on Instagram, but I, and I have, um, I have a reader's group and I have my professional group on, on Facebook, but, you know, it's gotten to where I think it just, you know, my one once an evening and I'm done with my writing, I go and I look and I respond to anybody and I tell them, oh, I you know, what's that. going on. And 
I just, I can't, uh, I just can't, um, it's just, it's just too much of a time suck. Yeah. Too much of a time suck completely. I, and I'm on a deadline. You know, my, my next book was supposed to be to my editor on October 1st. <laughs> and it's uh, October 19th. Oh, my God. So um, I'm going to see her in like three weeks. And I'm supposed to be bringing my book to her. And it's going to be, um, hopefully I'm bringing it to her. Which brings me to the next question. So um, if you're like me, you have a bunch. So I, I think you have what five published books? Four, and we'll we'll answer well, well four and close to the fifth one, and sort. close to fifth one. So how many unpublished or half written books are in drawers or on your computer somewhere? I, you know, honestly, I have I want to say like two and a half. I, I <laughs> there is one thing that I'm trying to I'm going to self pub this because it's a novella and it's really niche. It's um. It's a, like a horror suspense young adult Christmas story. So it's like very niche, right? Um, but I literally, uh, while I was working on another project for NaNoWriMo last year, I got a bug up my butt about this horror book and started writing it and wrote like 30,000 words in November of last year and have been spending the entire year procrastinating about finishing it. I wanted it done by this time this year. So after we get off this, I'm going to be writing that. Um, ah. And that's called The Lights. And I am going to talk about it everywhere that I'm I, like, I was on another podcast last week and I talked about it because here's the thing. I'm going to have it out for Christmas this year. So that ah. is going to be out. The Lights is what it's called. Uh, and it's about uh, this town having a Christmas lights festival every year and they switch to LEDs and the LED lights possess the children and they start killing all the people in the town. Oh, that's fantastic. So if you want to come back, when it comes out and maybe read yeah. a small sample from it, that would be fantastic sure. because that sounds really great. I like horror and I love possession. So. Yeah, yeah. And my other one is actually a rewrite that I want to finish. Um, I, I kind of thought I might try to adapt it and make it YA because I think I'm, I'm, the more I write, the more I really want to shift myself into YA a little more. Um, and I can't, I, I got kind of stuck on like the third or fourth chapter doing the rewrite, but it's a historical um, and because in the late uh, 1800s, the latter half of the 19th century, uh, particularly, there was a lot of, um, for, for people who weren't straight, there was a lot of opportunity for them to be in a relationship with someone of the same gender because so society was so split by gender. So it would be actually more strange for a woman to be, be alone with a man than for two men to be alone together or two women. So I've had that one kind of on kind of percolating in the background for years. And I really want to get that one taken care of too, but we'll see. And then I have one that is not even started, but is the next thing I am going to start after I finish this uh, uh, horror that I have to get done is a young adult story. That's kind of like, um, if you remember the movie, you've got mail. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was based on the shop around the corner, which is an old classic movie. Basically two yeah, people who are in love with each other as pen pals, but haven't met in real life. Mm -hmm. Um, and then meet each other in real life, but don't know it's their pen pal. Um, it's basically going to be two young uh, guys who've just started college. They're the freshmen in college and that, um, they've not really revealed a lot of personal information about each other, but have fallen in love over their love, mutual love of a, of a TV show. And they're now, college suite mates. They're not in the same room, but they are, their rooms are attached. They share some common living space and they hate each other because it's basically an odd couple situation where one's a slob and one's like, you know, really, really neat. And, um, 
and they have totally different interests, but they're already in love with each other and don't know that's who they're in love with. So um, <laughs> that's, oh, that's I like that. Yeah, I like that. That sounds good. I do have anything that you're going to do for NaNoWriMo this year. Yeah, I'm going to, if hopefully the horror will be done by then and I'll be able to start on that uh, one. I was just talking about that young adult. So I'm definitely doing NaNo though. Got to do it. Yeah, I think that, you know, I want to get the third book in my series done. And um, I found I was having issues and I was sick for a while. And then um, I told my husband, oh, my God, I have no B story. So I sat down and figured out the B story. And um, then I went, oh, my God, the B story is already there. And it naturally leads to the A story in book three. So I'm like, I love oh, when that happens. It's yeah. all there. It's all there. So uh, I thought, okay, I think that I um that I can uh, knock that off a rough draft in November after I'm done. So the two weeks, you know, and sometimes for me, a rough draft is dialogue. Then they do this dialogue. Yep. Then they do that dialogue. I come from film. So that's exactly how I wrote. And I, I would yep. write the dialogue and then, and then they do this and dialogue. So I could knock off, you know, a 60 page script in two or three days. And then I just have to go back and do editing on the dialogue and everything is done out loud and all that to make sure the dialogue sounds good and doesn't sound stilted. So, um, oh, this sounds like you've got a lot of good stuff. And um, definitely, definitely uh, for the Christmas one or any of them, you know, come back when they're ready to come yeah, out. Definitely. And if, if you want to do a very short, you know, just a couple paragraphs to get us enticed, that would be fantastic. I also read on this podcast. Sometimes I read my own works, but I thought, you know, it might be fun to have somebody else come on and just, you know, get everybody a little excited about what they're working on. Gladly. And, um, and then have, you know, links in the show. So, um, oh, thank you so much for coming uh, this week to chat with us. And um, uh, this is the book in the present tense. And the sequel is Past Imperfect. And um, there's two other books out there too. Girls on the Side and... Uh, Designs on You. Okay, great. So those will all be in the show notes. There'll be links to all those. Check them out read them. Don't forget to leave her a review. Be very nice because she may read the review. So, <laughs> Even if it's a one star, leave it. Good. All reviews are good. Yeah. If you can't download it from Amazon, it's not her fault. Contact them. <laughs> Golly. Right. Golly. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Tell your mom I said hi. Her mother's mm -hmm. an author also. She does sweet romance. Sweet historical. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet historical. Sorry. And, uh, uh, we're gonna have. I'm gonna have to do a show with the two of them together because they are hysterical together. And um, I've got my cough. My my coffee cup is sitting on one of her mother's coasters. So um, uh, I think about her every time I sit down to work at my desk because there's Aww, her coaster. I love that. Yeah, there's her coaster. So uh, thank you. And um, and that's it for this week. And um, I'll wrap this up in the show notes in just a sec. And um, thank you for coming along and hang on for just a second after we end this. Massive interview fail. I forgot to ask her why she refers to Florida as America's Wang. So she has to come back now so I can ask her that. And um, I guess I need to do better sticky notes on the walls. And that's it for this week. Uh, come back next week. And I have Rosie Zwedek, who is the voice of June Nash in the audiobooks. So she's fun, and um, you'll get to meet her. Uh, it's always fun to put a face to a voice. So see you next week, and in the meantime, go read a good book.